0: There's that first generation that have that zeal and the urgency and they don't understand why this next generation doesn't have that same urgency or zeal. And I guess you could say rightfully so, but it's a frame of reference that that next generation doesn't have sure. because while they're still dirty, rotten sinners, we're dirty, rotten sinners, we haven't come from a, a perspective that has baggage. So we don't understand that weight and because of that makes us skeptical and i'm not i'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying that that is right i'm just saying that's a reality
1: Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hulberg. Joining me today is co-pastor Phil Cavanaugh, also the dean of students at Providence Baptist College, and we are so excited to have him with us today. So, Brother Cavanaugh, thank you so much for joining us, and we appreciate you being here.
0: Well, it's always good to be here with you uh, for these podcasts and an opportunity to uh, share some things that the Lord has done in our life and what he's doing and uh, influencing other people for the cause of Christ.
1: The other day in church you were preaching something that really resonated with me and as uh, we approached the Thanksgiving holiday I thought it would be very appropriate to, uh, to record and air uh, on the uh, podcast and you were talking about and exposing the differences between First generational Christianity and a second generational Christianity you obviously there are some every individual is different, uh, but there are some broader uh, observations that you 've made in general about uh, a first generation Christian as opposed to a second generation Christian. What was it that you had identified
0: well i don 't know that i 've got a corner on the market, uh, but I definitely know that uh, throughout the years there 's an observation having been a uh, a second generation christian my uh, my parents got saved and a uh, little later in life they didn 't grow up around a, a Christian environment per se uh, that when my parents got saved, there was an instant uh, urgency to uh, to be right to live right and uh, it 's something that obviously I got to grow up in and I observed their zeal and their passion if you 're around Christianity, at Christianity for any length of time, you you'll see individuals where uh, they got saved from a life of sin. And it seems like they have this uh, deeper sense of appreciation for salvation and even an urgency in their life uh, to live for, uh, for God and, and just a general uh, a gratitude, a spirit of thankfulness. That I can't believe that God would love me so much to save me like this. And then you contrast that with, let's say, me or, or my generation Uh, of second-generation Christians, if you will, that Mm -hmm. uh, were raised in that home. And uh, it seems to be there's a a drop-off with that level of urgency. And uh, I typically identify it as a a skeptical urgency. Uh, It's not that uh, that generation are bad kids, per se. It's not that they're uh, openly rebellious or Mm -hmm. despise the church or the Bible or don't want to do right or live right. Uh, but often it's, uh, it's just a lack of urgency. There's a skepticism about uh, whether or not I'm going to buy into this or not.
1: Yeah, I think I can completely agree because I've observed the same thing and it's just natural that somebody who's been, you know, living a life in one direction come to truth and realize, man, I've got to make up for lost time. And then while somebody who grows up in it can become complacent and just kind of float around with no direction, and you know never realize what direction they want to go. Can you give us some concrete examples, maybe from your home life, maybe some things your parents did that you know illustrated that urgency in their
0: lives? Um, I definitely believe, especially because you know standards and separation mm-hmm. are typically hot button issues with, uh, we'll say, the next generation. Uh, There are, you've got a world that you're in that is uh, constantly moving further and further Uh, away from the Bible and away from God and morality. And uh, so you're in the world. You're not supposed to be of the world. So it's contrasted with somebody who used to be in the world and God saved. You're born into a Christian home. You're in a good church. you got a preacher that loves you, a Sunday school teacher that teaches you the word of God. And so you have these polar opposites in life. And as you grow up, uh, you have the opportunity to observe Uh, these two contrast, And so it's like, okay, it looks good out there, and it's been this way since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks good in the world, uh, but yet I'm being taught this. This is what the Bible says. And so you're growing up, and as you've heard before, you know, the older I get, the smarter my dad gets, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the the more right the word of God is. So I guess the biggest illustration of of the, let's say, first-generation urgency versus the second-generation skepticism is uh, along the way you, you're going to you're going to you're from a, your youth you're going to borrow truth you're going to rent truth but at some point as Proverbs twenty three twenty three says you've got to buy truth and when you buy that truth uh, it opens up the opportunity in your life uh, to really know what you believe and why you believe it uh, most uh, young people today uh, have a, a source of resentment because they have parents that held the line. And uh, there's that first generation that have that zeal and the urgency, and they don't understand why this next generation doesn't have that same urgency or zeal. And I guess you could say rightfully so, but it's a frame of reference that that next generation doesn't have, sure. because while they're still dirty rotten sinners, we're dirty rotten sinners. We haven't come from a, a perspective that has baggage, so we don't understand that weight. And because of that makes us skeptical and I'm not I'm not by any stretch of imagination saying that that is right. I'm just saying that's a reality. Uh, And so mom and dad or uh, the preacher, they'll preach hard and they'll preach truth. And it's exactly Bible truth. Uh, And yet uh, there seems to be a a spirit of resentment toward that truth. And uh, that spirit of resentment toward the truth hinders uh, spiritual development. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's definitely some things that need to take place in our lives in order for us to appreciate that. We, pro- we definitely need some patience, you know, in our life, uh, in instruction, but also we need to understand that uh, we had to be saved from the same sin that our parents did. And uh, it, it helps guide the, the, the spirit of gratefulness and just understand that, uh, man, how good God's been in my life to save me and to, to give me that grace.
1: Sure. I mean... Um someone who's been saved later in life, they have associations with, you know, what is worldly, what is not worldly, things they've experienced. And obviously, it's on their conscience to, you know, to grow as a Christian to steer away from such things that would, you know, lend themselves to worldly associations. While the second generation Christian who doesn't have those associations are like, what's the big deal? Why can't we? And you fill in the blank with whatever it is. Mom and Dad, what's the big deal? Why can't we do X? Well, mom and dad say, "Yeah, I'm just not comfortable doing that." Uh, while they can't say, "Look for thou shalt," you know, they can't say, "Look here in the Bible, it doesn't say thou shalt not." But their experience, their association, says, "No, this is probably something we ought not do." While the right. second generation Christian says, "Why can't we?" Um, and it's that you know you also talked about this progression, you know, talking about somebody borrowing truth, then maybe renting truth, and then there comes that point where somebody has to buy uh, truth, and so. You're, you're saying we all go through the stage of skepticism as second-generation Christians, or third or fourth, and there has to come to that point in time where you've got to buy truth. And so uh, what happens to somebody who doesn't buy truth? Uh, you go through your childhood years, you grow up, and you're skeptical. You're not sure what to buy into, what not to buy into. What happens to those who never really buy into anything?
0: Well, real quick before I answer that question, let me just lay the tenets of success sure. in order... To, to be successful when it comes time to buy truth. Okay. And those basic tenets of success is you have to have a love for the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You, you can be skeptical and not understand everything and still love the Word of God. Mm. And if you're going to love the Word of God, if you're going to have a prayer life, if you're going to be obedient to God-given authority, if you're going to have respect for those that God has placed in your life, and you're going to be thankful, you're going to be okay. If you take those five tenets and say, I want these five things. I may not understand everything else in life, but I can, I, can, uh, I can love the word of God. I can have a prayer life where I get to talk to God. I can be obedient to the God-given authorities. I can respect uh, God and creation and his authority in my life. And I can be thankful. Uh, just saying thankful is something that guides and guards you Uh, when it comes to the grace of God. And if you'll allow those tenets to be in your life, it'll keep you from resenting the grace of God Mm. to the point that you end up, if you resent it, you will end up rejecting it. You'll reject it. And it's kind of mind-boggling, especially to that first generation. Why Why do second-generation Christians, why do they resent the word of God? Why do they resent this truth? Why do they resent this to the point that they end up rejecting it? And ultimately, uh, the end result of why there's a generation, sometimes second or beyond that reject, resent and reject the grace of God is because in their heart, they're just not grateful uh, for what God has given them, and that lack of gratitude blinds them from reality, and when it comes time to buy truth, they don't do it, and then it's crazy, because the end result of them not buying that truth is that they go off the deep end, I mean, literally, they go off the deep end, uh, they, they profess to be wiser than those that shared the gospel, In order for them to hear the word of God and to be saved, they become wiser than their parents. They become wiser than their teachers. Uh, And when I say wiser, I mean supposedly wiser, uh, and as a result of that, they uh, they go off the deep end, and all of the, the doctrines that they've been taught, it seems like they end up going back to where they have had an opportunity from. It's not a matter of a parent or authority being perfect or right all the time. It's a matter of just being grateful for what God has given us, and if we have that spirit, we'll understand that uh, we'll be able to separate uh, what's true and what's not true, and often we resent, you know, maybe the way it's said, maybe more than even the truth. Hmm. because we don't like how the truth was presented, then we end up throwing everything away because, well, we think it should have been presented this way. Sure. And, and it's just a matter of bitterness and a, of resentment that destroys the spirit. And the next thing you know, you were born and raised in a good family with a good home and a good church, not perfect, uh, that loves God, pointed you in the right direction, and then you end up worse than your, your parents who were saved out of a life of sin where now all of a sudden uh, getting a tattoo is uh, Christian liberty, drinking is christian liberty a hmm. uh, lack of uh, a lack of uh uh standards and separation uh, the way that you've been taught is uh it, it was a, well that was just legalism that's flaunted and you know all of these things that come from a spirit that's just it's a hurt spirit and uh it's just it, it, that skepticism never grows up and if you allow that skeptical urgency to grow up and to just, just buy time and understand the Word of God and buy truth when that opportunity comes. Watch how it will keep your spirit right. It's amazing how many people resent or reject the grace of God in their life. and That's what they're doing. It's not personal. It's God. It's toward God. And what ends up happening is they resent, they reject, and then they, they just go head first into the world. And it it just looks so bad on them. And it's painful to watch because it doesn't have to be that way. The Christian life is the greatest life. The Word of God is still perfect. And if you'll stick with the Word of God, you'll keep those basic tenets of success. Watch what God will do in your life and through you, despite you. And as you do that, you know what? The urgency that your parents had then becomes your urgency. And the zeal that they had becomes your zeal. The fire that they had for truth and righteousness becomes your fire. And it's not uh, less truth. It's more truth and more of a love for the things of God and and a desire to see other people come to Jesus Christ.
1: I like how you, let me unpack that. I like how you gave those five principles, those five things that will keep a person on track. And this is kind of why I wanted to do this episode, the concept of thankfulness with Thanksgiving coming up. And it seems like it's a guardrail. You know, while a young person is navigating through their youth, through their teenage years, through their young adult years even, they're they're borrowing truth, they're renting truth, and what at least keeps them on track at least is just being thankful for what they've been given. Was I raised in the same home as somebody else? No, but I should be thankful for the home that I have. And I think even on a previous episode, we, we kind of touched this topic, you know, just embrace the crazy. Yeah. Uh, every family is crazy or in their own ways. Yeah. And you just be happy with w- the way you were raised. And eventually, like you're saying, you'll get to the point where you can buy a truth. Maybe you're not buying you know, everything in one shot, but you know, one thing comes up for sale. And you know what? Let's buy this truth. And you'll buy this truth. And like you said, eventually, you're going to get to the point where you're past your skepticism. And you're, OK, yeah, I see where mom and dad were the whole time. Uh, and I can actually buy into this. It's really good stuff. Um, so what happens, um, you talked a little bit about what happens to someone who doesn't have that thankfulness. And it seems like that thankfulness is kind of like a guardrail mm-hmm. uh, on a person's journey. And if you remove that guardrail and you go off the edge, there's nothing really to stop you. And it's, it ends up in a place of destruction. And you talked about resentment. It seems to be a spirit issue mm-hmm. where people um, can, wherever they end up, they're never satisfied wherever they end up. They're never happy with where they were. They may be where they wanted to be, but they're never happy about it. Right. Can you talk a little bit about you know, someone's
0: conscience and knowledge and how that relates? Well, I mean, your conscience is, is knowledge. It's self-knowledge. It's what God put in you and you have uh, the opportunity when you grow up in an environment where the Word of God is preached and you have parents that love God. Uh, you're not a victim. If you believe that you're a victim, you're never going to be an overcomer. As long as you want to be a victim, you're never going to be able to get past maybe the failures of man. And uh, it's amazing how victimhood produces a spirit of narcissism. Mm-hmm. And uh, truly, you look at narcissism and, and it, even the world will tell you there's no cure for it. And uh, the only cure for narcissism or a spiritual narcissism uh, really is a, a humility, a confession, and a thankfulness. Just Keep the, as you said, the guardrails of gratitude in your life will allow you to grow up. And sadly, there's just a lot of Christians that never grown up. And the proof that they've never grown up is listen to what they resent. What they resent is so childish. My mom and dad didn't let me do this. My mom and dad didn't let mm. me do that. Uh, my preacher used to preach this. My preacher used to say that. My youth pastor did this. And it's amazing uh, how... If they were to be honest, 99% of everything that they've been given, they would say was great. But 1%, which is reality, is a failure. It's wrong. And I'm not, I'm not covered for it. I'm not saying that I'm perfect or anyone else is. But I, I still think 99% is an A, isn't it? Yeah. So, so we're true. going to throw the 99% away because there was 1% that was wrong. And, and by the way, I, I often say this, if there is 1% wrong, why don't you just say, let's be better? Let me ha- let's, let's be problem solvers. But often we don't want to be a problem solver. We want to utilize that 1% to justify what's really in our heart mm. to get us where we really want to go, which is away from everything we've been given. And at the end of the day, it's really sad to watch those people. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And that's, that, that's why they're always miserable. Because when you've been given much truth, you can trip over it to get away from it. But you'll never enjoy what you see other people perhaps enjoying because you've been given things that they've never been given. And that's why uh, that, that individual always usually ends up medicated They usually end up in in just turmoil and strife. And it's as I said, it's painful to watch because God never intended it to be that way. The Christian life is the best life. And it's not perfect because life's not perfect because people are involved. If I'm involved, then it's not going to be perfect. But I know the word of God is perfect. And I know God has great plans for every person uh, that loves him and seeks him. And you keep those tenets. Watch what God will do with your life. guard your spirit because you're thankful. You just choose to be thankful. Uh, You accept what is good and you reject what is bad. Uh, But if it's a 99 to 1%. Uh, I, I'll take those odds any day and I'll take that life over any other life this world has to offer uh, because it's the Bible way and along the way it's amazing how even that one percent will kind of sort itself out and you'll understand it better as you grow up and it will end up being a hundred percent one day and you'll yeah. and you'll because you were problem-solver with it and you're like no this <laughs> this is actually right I understand it a little better now and uh, that's the grace and patience that we need and I love that God's given us to give us the environment to have what we've had and uh, it's not as Paul all said in Corinthians, it's you'll never, in, in essence, I'm paraphrasing, but you'll never be sorry that you were sorry, uh, to live for truth and right, you'll never uh, re- be sorry getting right, uh, and when you're wrong, get, just get right. It's amazing how uh, sometimes we have these people that go off and they, they're in sin and they're into trouble and they're into all sorts of life. Uh, to those that may be that, that you've rejected God, you've rejected uh, what your heritage, your goodly heritage, don't have too much pride not to say, you know what, I've walked away from more than I've ever found. Let me go back. Let me get back from the far country. Let me come back to the people that really, really love me and actually cared enough to tell me the truth. I may not always understand it or liked it, uh, but they're more right. God's word's more right than the world is right and what I've been searching for. And I'm gonna have enough humility to come back. And, and, And thankfully, there are people that are doing that. Uh, they're, they're, they're coming back and they're realizing, wow, I just wasted 10 years of my life. And, and the greatest thing that we have is influence. And when we're wasting time, we're wasting influence for the cause of Christ.
1: Well, that was perfect. I have nothing else to add. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining us today, Pastor Cavanaugh. And if you want to check out our other episodes, check out our YouTube channel, also the audio-only platform. Make sure you like and you comment and subscribe. And I hope that you have a happy Thanksgiving.